I'm Lisa Bryant. I'm Leanne Gibbs. And I'm Liam McNicholas. And this is the Early Education Show. A fortnightly look at the policy, politics and practice of Australia's early education sector. Social media users in Australia are some of the most active in the world. 60% of the country are active users of Facebook, with 50% of the population logging on at least once a day. In Australia, there are 16 million Facebook users per month, 15.5 million YouTube users, 9 million Instagram users, and 5.8 million Twitter users. With such widespread usage, it is not surprising that the use of social media in the education and care sector is huge. But is the sector's use of social media a force for good or not? We thought it was time we explored the positives and negatives of social media use in the sector. Uh, and here to with me to do this as we always are, we have Lisa and Leanne. Hello, you two. Hello. Hello there. This is another I one. I think that... that's the first time it's just been the three I of know. us for months and months. I was just months. about to say, I think the move to fortnightly, while it has been great for my stress levels, means we don't have as many episodes with the three of us because we want to get those wonderful guests on. But this is just going to be a classic three of us banter episode. No pressure at all. Oh, well, we'll have to check the um, the download rates, Liam. If it's not a good for- format, we might need to go back to the, the other. That's right. More more guests, please. If that's the feedback, we will bring yes, them. Um, that's right. But it's interesting. I was talking to Leanne before we started recording, talking about some of our old episodes. And what I was remembering about a lot of our old episodes was we used to pretty much end every one of them with going, oh, yes, we must talk about that topic that we brought up and then never get around to it. Probably the topic that's most been on our radar over the four years we've done this is this exact topic, social media use in the sector, and it's taken us till episode 134 to get to it. So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what that says about the topic or our lack of organisation, but... No, what it says something about is how often things change in the sector and we think we're going to have this nice ordered thing and then something emergency happens. But also imagine how much social media has changed over the time that we've... since we started saying we needed to talk about it. Yeah, even True. the difference between 2016 and 2020. It's yes. hugely different. So what we're saying is we could not have picked a more perfect time to do this. And all of our decisions are correct and good. <laughs> That's what we're saying. And planned. And planned. And, and planned. carefully, carefully planned. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so I think what we're going to do tonight is obviously we want to we try and keep this looking at both the pros and the cons. I think with a topic like this, it's easier to come down on, you know, maybe identifying some of the more extreme you know, negative stories you can find out there in the sector. But I think we want to spend a bit of time looking at both. Um, but Lisa had this good slash terrifying idea to kick the show off, which I'm really, really stressed about, um, which is starting with a bit of a confession. So each of us um, talking about our own social media use. I guess this is so we're not hypocrites, Lisa, if we go, we talk about the the ills of social media, despite the amount of time, maybe particularly two members of the podcast spend on, <laughs> so spend on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're always pretty restrained for your time, though, Liam. Well, yeah, it, it goes in waves. Well, I think so. We were probably going to ask, like, I guess, what, what for, for the three of us, what our social media usage is. You also had the terrifying idea of using that horrible app on the iPhone that actually records all your usage of social media and can, and confessingly sharing them on the podcast. I don't know if Does I'm prepared to do that. Does it record your social media or just yep. your... Um, it records your whole screen time and then your time yeah. on each of the apps. And oh, look, okay. now, I'm, gonna have I'm willing that. to go there. I'm willing. Are we to willing go to go? Ahead. Shall we get that out now? So this is yep. for, for listeners. If you have an iPhone, I think it's Screen Time. It's called. So it not only tells you your total 
screen time and you may get a notification once a week, but you can go in and find it, but it breaks it down into particular usage and it's a bit of a confronting moment. It's like Sunday night, I think it comes out normally or something, which is yeah. not a great way to start the week, I find. But I, I, so I've got mine open. I don't know who wants to go first. I've got mine open. Okay. Okay. Yesterday. Oh, God. <laughs> Yesterday, I spent 10 hours, 59 minutes on my phone. Oh. Two hours, 18 minutes was on Twitter. 46 minutes on Facebook. 32 minutes on Instagram. And I picked it up 306 times. All right. Liam. Okay. What was your total screen time, Lisa? 10 hours, 59 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, mine was broken. Two hours, 38 minutes, which isn't too bad, I think. What was your Twitter? My Twitter was 55 minutes. Your Facebook? Only 12 minutes. I have, I have been less on Facebook. I, and I don't do Instagram or anything. Okay. And how many pickups? Pickups was 109. Mm. You're so, a lot better than me. Leanne? Okay, so um, I have uh, two hours and seven minutes on my phone. Uh, Twitter's 23 minutes. Um, and I, use, I don't use any other social media apps, more communication apps, and I have 36 pickups. Well, we've got a ranking at least. So, and not as, maybe I'm not, not as sure if this is one I want to win. But in my defence, I use my phone a lot to send emails, etc. Like, I've got my laptop open, my large screen linked to it, and I always use my phone instead. Right, so you use that. Well, that's fair enough. Then you, you've got a little bit of an excuse. All right, we're, yeah. we're hearing all your justifications, Lisa. That's yeah. okay. We're, we're hearing you. We're hearing you. The, the four hours on social media is a bit obsessive. That's though. a lot of time, yeah. But, I mean, you use – I would almost say you're a professional tweeter. Well, yeah. Look, you know what that was about yesterday? There was the Thrive by Five launch, and that went for about two hours, and I tweeted throughout that. So, And, yeah, it is a bit unfair because I think I tend to use, during the day, um, a computer for that stuff. I don't use my actual device. Ah. So I think this is being unfair on you, Lisa. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not really it's not really a, a an objective. Um, yeah. but it's if people want to have a look at what they've got, it's a very interesting way to look at it, isn't it? If not confronting. So yes. Leanne, tell us why don't like you're only using Twitter. Um I think and even Twitter I'm a bit sort of I get I'm very chaotic in my use of Twitter as well. I don't use it consistently, um, and I sometimes sometimes I get confused <laughs> about. I know that sounds odd, but I think uh, I I go in and I think oh I'm just going to spend a bit of time on Twitter and I'll retweet things and then I just get lost. I go into something and then I start reading a long form article and I think wow what a great piece of journalism, and then that's my time up right so. <laughs> well, that's it. So then I, so that's why I'll kind of only every now and then I'll, I'll tweet something and then I'll, I'll just get lost in some other piece of material. But I don't use Facebook because it distresses me. Um, I, I like to believe that our early childhood sector and our profession is wildly professional and um, has this very high level of integrity. 
And sometimes when I used Facebook, I was disappointed. And so I just felt like I couldn't engage and I didn't really want to go there. That said, I know there's some amazing groups. Like people say to me, oh, go on this group or go on that group. And I think, ah, that I would really love that because I think that that would be, you know, there's incredible things. However, <laughs> I do miss out. So I, I think one of the problems is if you're not a Facebook user, family and friends think you know stuff about them that you don't. <laughs> and people will say to me, didn't you know that? And I'm thinking, oh, God, did they tell me or what? And I've missed out. So I think I do miss out. Um, and I think I miss out on some really nice stuff. But because I feel, I, I think it saves my mental health in terms of um, the other the other aspect of it that I find really hard. And I think I'm probably in the mid-ground between you, Leanne, and you, Lisa. So I am a very active user of Twitter, but not a very active user on Facebook. And I will say, actually, this podcast is pretty much the only reason I still have a Facebook account because I need one to run the early education show Facebook page. If I didn't do that, I probably would have ditched it quite a long time ago. But uh, yes, full disclosure, very active to the extent of being distressed probably by the amount of time I'm spending on Twitter. But similar to Lisa, I it, probably a large part of it is, I would see as part of my professional role, both my paid role with the current organisation I work with, but keeping up to date with the sector, engaging with the discussion around early education on the sector. It's a great way to keep up to date with, particularly I've found during COVID-19, the flurry of information that is coming through. It's been an incredibly useful resource to get information. True. And then, yeah, Lisa, I, you're probably I, yes, a big user of both. True. Yeah. Look, I'm a big user of Twitter because it enables me to influence people um, about early education and it enables me to con have contact with people that otherwise I wouldn't have. Um, you know, there's been instances when there's been stuff going in on this on in the Senate and you can actually tweet something out of Senator and they can raise it in the Senate. There's nothing else that gives you that kind of instant access it's a lot to of power. power, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I also use it to make sure that people outside of the sector know about the early education sector issues and I use it to promote the stories that I've written about early education. Um, I use Facebook primarily to listen to educators talking and to, um, to remind providers that educators are underpaid. I think that's what I primarily do. It's like a public yeah. service. It is a public they service. They might not think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we, we've almost, I think that's kind of the scene setting. I think if we're going to have this discussion, I think we probably have to disclose, given we're going to be talking about some of the negatives of it, is that we, at least Lisa and I are pretty heavy users of it. So some of this is probably going to be a bit hypocritical, um, but I think it's worth setting the scene. But I think the way we wanted to structure this was, as I said, making sure this was a balanced discussion. Um, so let's start with that positive aspect of it. So we might, I might go around the group um, from the three of us and how do, can we give an example um, of social media being used positively in the sector? Um, and Leanne, I might come to you 
first. Yeah, because I probably will be will. I, I mean, I do see there's very positive uses for it. One is that I think that the um, images um, of educators and children when they're shared, um, you know, with integrity, uh, really raise the profile of the sector. Um, so are you are you asking how we use it internally or externally, Liam? I think you can answer that however however you oh, want, Liam. Okay, all right. Well, that's my number one. Then um, the other, the second one, I think on um, on Twitter is it's a wonderful Twitter is a really wonderful platform to get some great reading on uh, issues around policy and. Um, you know, quality, all of those, all of those aspects. I think, and so I think it's a good information source, and to me, it's a source of information that has integrity. And then, obviously, the third thing is the way that Lisa is using it to influence and to, um, I suppose, connect with power as well. So I, I would see it in those ways would be very positive. I can probably think of many more. So I'm not anti-social media by any means, um, and I think it does connect people up with each other and share positive examples of practice. I think that's my catchphrase. I'm not anti-social media. I'm just anti-social. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. well, Leanne, you've gotten above and beyond. I think we, only, we were only sort of seeking one thing from you, but you've, you've created a, a whole range. You gave, you gave yourself um, you know, a, harder, a harder time than you needed because... I think we were going to, we, we, we don't need one from you, but you came out with some great ones. You've probably stolen some of Lisa and I's, but <laughs> Lisa, you know, do you have, what, what, what would you see as some positives? Look, I for- think overall the, the major positive, apart from those things that I've spoken of already, is the um, capacity for educators who are isolated from each other you know as we well know unlike schools you're not in a workforce with you know a hundred people you're there with your small team and suddenly Facebook gives you the ability to um, connect with other people across the horizon and saying you know is this um, a uh, like this happens in my centre. Is this what happens in your centre? Or I don't feel good about um, my provider doing this. Is this okay? Or alternatively, just even this is what we do. Can you give me some appreciation because I need it, you know, in a really deep way to know that this is good practice? And people are very generous in all of those settings. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And look, I, my answer to this will probably be quite similar um, to you, and I might even call out some some of those specific groups because I think there is some good work going on there. So bizarrely, I probably I, I enjoy and spend more time on Twitter, but I might talk about some of the Facebook groups because I think they um, promote some more discussion. But uh, there's some particularly uh, good ones. I think we actually mentioned this last week, but the Victorian Early Childhood Teachers Group, um, which is a, is particularly um, uh, Cara Nightingale, I want to I want to call her, who spends a lot of time. Um, I'm hoping she's not doing this in addition to her full time work, because I'm hoping it's part of her full time work, because she spends a lot of time on the answering exactly those questions, industrial questions around educator. Um, conditions and resources and those kinds of things, and it's such a it's such an important service 
for the sector. Um, so I want to call out that group in particular. I also think groups like the Social Justice and Early Childhood group, where there's this space for sometimes quite difficult and challenging uh, conversations uh, and people to engage in a real way with real people around the questions of social justice. So there are absolutely some positives there for people to be exposed to ideas and concepts that they, they otherwise um, might not be exposed to. So I wanted to particularly, I think, specifically call out those two groups for that, that kind of work. And I, um, as I think the term is lurker, so I, I tend not to comment or post much in those groups anymore unless I'm being blatantly, uh, you know, promoting the podcast, which I feel bad about. But um, I, I read a lot of those ones and I find them, you know, really interesting in terms of the back and forth around the discussion. So there is a, a place for sector discussion and um, and particularly in those groups, I find they are usually of a quite a professional standard and respectful and engaging in that way. Mm. Yes, that's. I think that's the key word is professional. Professional. That might be the difference. Well, I mean, that might be a good segue to then talk about, I guess we have to talk, talk about the inverse of that then, which is what are some negative things we're seeing from, from social media uh, in the sector. And again, this might be specific examples. This might be broad concerns we have about how we're seeing social media engaged in the sector. Um, I have to say this, and this probably speaks more to my cynical mind, and maybe this is something I need to work on this. I, I found it a lot easier to think about the <laughs> negatives of the second. Look, again, it says, says more about me, but um, yeah, I think I think it's something you know we want to maybe tackle, as, as I said, either specifically or broadly, but we, you know, we might keep the same order. But, you know, Leanne, yeah, how how we had do you have what are the sort of negative parts of social media in the sector you see? Um, well, see, I'm not there, so it's a bit hard. To, no, I I think the thing <laughs> that I find the most negative is the piling on of of people if they're trying to share things on social media and then people pile on them or uh, about practice or about their opinion or. Whatever, because I think sometimes those people are just learning and then if everybody starts to go have a go at them and then, you know, attack them, then how will people learn anything? And and, I, and maybe that's part of why I kind of went off the Facebook um, platform as well is because I just – it just <laughs> – make me feel sad to see that kind of um, behaviour. So I think I find that very difficult. And also what I would think is a negative use, but I, maybe it's not, maybe this is really great, but when I see um, things that might have been posted in the past which were perfect environments that, you know, people might share and that, that I think that could be hard for people to think, oh, I'll just replicate that. Um, without thinking about the, the pedagogy behind that. And so I would see that as a bit of a negative is here's something really pretty. Here's an Instagrammable environment. Enjoy without understanding what might be below. I mean, maybe there's nothing underneath it. That's the worst thing, right? Um, but but it's the, the lack of understanding about what's actually happening in there or the or from the person who's posting it even. Was that, that, was yep. a bit, that was a bit, like, nonsensical, but what I'm saying No, is, it wasn't. It made sense. Yeah. No, I completely get it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The piling on for me in particular, Anne, is one of the – it's the thing I – yeah, I, it's probably the thing I hate most about the, the, the social media experience. And 
you know, trying to be honest, particularly because I think I can see and feel why it happens. There is this innate, I think, human desire where we swear we we become knowledgeable about something or we think we're knowledgeable about something and we see someone posting something and we go, oh, you know, God. And it, it's it's and this is probably a broader problem, problem in social media than early childhood, but there's this, it's very easy to then post a kind of, you know, condescending response or, a, yeah. you know, oh my God, haven't you heard this? It, it is, I'm, I think I'm particularly challenged by it because I can feel, you know, it's, I'm probably, you know, not, I've, I've had to learn to not, to not do that and that, that's not a helpful response and exactly people are learning and people and, and the bravery i think of people sharing you yeah know, their their experiences to then just be this pile on and i think particularly for me and i know i raised this in an episode it may have been a while ago but i find it particularly frustrating when it comes from nominally you know progressive people you know sort of lefties who particularly pile on about particular topics well first so and you know we often see this around things like celebrations and um and particular, uh, you know, engagements with particular, you know, maybe cultural activities, which, again, I may have a particular view on, but I'm not sure for people who think it's then, you know, piling on from a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more progressive than you are. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, A, that it's particularly reflective of progressive values to sort of act in what I think is sometimes a, quite a bullying way, but also it's not going to change anyone's mind, just being yeah, mean. Yeah, and people of influence yeah. doing that as well, that's, that. I think that that is very, um, it's not a safe environment then for people because those people of influence are, are turning other people, you know, against others. And I think about things that I did as a 23-year-old director because I was quite a young director in those days. That was young. And um, and I think if there had been Facebook and I'd posted some of those <laughs> opinions or that thinking, oh, my goodness, like, you know, it would have been so. Horrendous. You think you've changed, Leanne? Well, I've had wonderful <laughs> mentors, and and I'm teasing you. Oh, I, I'm, maybe I'm a bit serious tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. I certainly know that I wouldn't say things to parents that I said to them when I was 23. <laughs> Look, I I see what you're both arguing, but um, the negative use that I see is kind of like exactly opposite of what you're saying in that I see a negative use where someone puts up a piece of bad practice and a million people say, oh, isn't that wonderful? Can we do that at our centre? Um, a, a, a piece of practice, um, which I won't identify, was put up the other day and I just checked um, 585 people had hearted or liked it and it was something that I think has no value in the education and care sector. A number of people said that but by um, far the majority of the comments were tagging in other people that people worked with. So, you know, if Leanne, if you and I worked in a centre and I saw it and said, oh, Leanne, can we do this next year? And I think that sometimes... Um, bad practice travels around the sector faster than positive practice does because positive practice is murky and doesn't, you know, um, necessarily it's not Instagrammable, etc. Yeah, it's hard. It's yeah, hard. And, but the bad practice is and so people are picking up ideas that are actually have no value 
and when other people kind of say, well, I don't think this is a great practice, they tend to get screamed at and people just say, well, scroll past, don't say anything. And I don't think that's good. Do you think there's ways to say these things, though? I, look, I see some people saying it incredibly politely and saying, I wouldn't do this because this is how this appears to me. But they still sometimes, if everyone else is raving about something, they, um, they'll they still say, you know, yeah, it's good. And I think, and what, I suppose what, most annoys me about that is that it it is often some of the things that most get perpetuated in the sector because of that are things that um, uh, perpetuate gender stereotypes. I remember at Mother's Day a few years ago, someone posted a picture of the um, the beauty parlor that they'd set up for mothers coming into the centre. And no one was thinking in that post and all the positive posts that that postage got about the message that was giving children around what is a woman. woman. Mm. But is that social media or is that just yeah, general practice? That was going to be my question. It, but it gets out. Social media amplifies it. Amplifies it. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, whereas maybe... They might have gone to a professional development and showed their pictures and maybe, you know, another 20 centres might have heard of it, suddenly getting 600, 6,000 services across Australia hearing about it. Yeah. Remember that in some of those big groups, there's over 140,000 educators. Yeah. Have I made that up? Wow. Oh, I think right? I think it's higher. I think it's like yeah. some of them are like 180, 190, I think. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's massive. I think it's a fascinating discussion. I was listening to all yeah, that, Lisa. Yeah, 122,273 is the biggest one. There isn't a bigger one. Maybe I've made that up. No. That's not our, that's not our page that has 190,000 fans? <laughs> um, I, no? Liam, no. No. Okay, just checking. <laughs> just checking. Um, so I was listening all through that, Lisa, and I kept planning my response and then reshifting it based on... I, I think... Part of me, so there may be people listening. Although, look, I, I suspect if you're one of the, you know the, the small but lovely group of listeners to listen to listen to this every fortnight, if you're still here with us after 134 episodes, you're if, if, if not <laughs> and our rambling introductions. If, yes, if if not if not like-minded, at least sort of accepting of this is you know going to be a fairly progressive you know view on particular things. So, what I'm trying to think of what the response might be from someone listening who disagrees with that might be who gets to decide what's good practice. So is there an, is there an argument to say if that many people are liking it, Lisa? Well, who <laughs> has the sector spoken now? I, I, I know, I know what you're talking yeah, about. You a shared lot of, the particular a lot of Germans were very anti-Jews during the war. <laughs> and well, and I, people like McDonald's as well. Yeah. Not that good for you. And that show, The Bachelorette or The Bachelor, whatever. <laughs> That's actually a um, social political study. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> but it, but but is that? But this is the point. So I think the point is we're seeing is that is there ways for disagreement to work in in these forums? So if there are people that disagree with the with with particular practices that are being promoted and the feedback 
from what you're saying, Lisa, is being provided positively, but then the, the feedback to the feedback isn't, is this one of the key issues? And so maybe I might, because I, I haven't had a chance to say what I think one of the negatives is, maybe this sort of sums up what the key negative for me for social media is that social media is just disastrous for 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 disagreeing. So disagreeing becomes something that's almost impossible to do properly. On so there is there seems to be something specific to social media that makes disagreements because you were saying Lisa, you know, if these kind of things were were being floated in a professional development um, workshop where people could be talking face to face and have these discussions, there's you know research that says that. Um, you know, people are far more likely to disagree angrily on social media because there's this kind of remove from the person you're talking about. So maybe it's for me, it's the, the specific issue, the specific practice is less of a concern than the fact that they're just social media is uniquely bad at being a forum for disagreement. It's more about sort of pylons, positively and negatively. So either, you know, thing gets a, a pylon of support and you know, sharing of, you know, particular things or it's a pile on a negativity. Yes. And I see this particular... Look, one of the things that I noticed at the beginning of COVID in that, um, you know, horrible period where none of us knew what was happening is that I was sometimes using... Facebook as a way of expressing negative emotions. So I'd find someone that had said, I'm not saying I'd deliberately go out and find someone, but if during my scrolling someone had said something that I felt was stupid, I would react and I would kind of explode over the page. And then half an hour later I'd think, why did I do that? Yeah, like what was that about? What? Yeah, and it was just a way for me to express my emotions. And so I then stopped doing it and I started noticing how often other people did that as well, especially people that I knew were going through a hard time at the time and I'd look at the posts and the reactions they made to other people's posts and I could see them using that. Gosh, that's, um, that's a bit scary, Lisa. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm unique in doing it like that. No, I think. I think that's what I was talking about before, which is I reckon. What I find particularly challenging is because I can recognise the part of myself that would want to do that. There is something. Um, and I don't know whether it's the, you know that, that endorphin release or what they talk about, you know, but, but where you can use a particular bit of knowledge you have to you know, sort of win an argument with someone. There is something about, which is in particular with Facebook, I've really withdrawn myself from it because there is this sense that you're um, in an argument space. And actually, you know, t- today is probably a fantastic example because the other, I don't know whether it's technically social media, I think it fits within that, is LinkedIn, which I use more surprisingly now than I than I did probably last year. But today, so I posted something on LinkedIn around so we're recording this on Wednesday, which is Early Childhood Educators Day. I think we've spoken about that day before and my particular dislike of it because it was developed by a peak for-profit body and, in my view, was developed entirely with the goal of stopping the educators working for these organisations, questioning why those organisations don't support pay increases at Fair Work and then publicly on the record um, 
that they do not support those increases and have actively fought against them. So I find the concept that this is one day of gratitude. Um, I actually find it insulting. I sort of posted this on LinkedIn and was immediately sort of hit up with a comment saying, you know, this is divisive and why are we framing for for uh, private? Why are we framing private operators as the enemy and it divides the sector? And I couldn't help getting drawn in immediately and, and quoting statistics and linking to productivity commission inquiries to win the argument. And kind of similar to you, Lisa, I kind of went back and gone, you know, is that really worth it that I got into a fight with, you know, some bloke on LinkedIn and sort of wasn't happy until I felt I'd won the argument there is something about social media i think that just yeah seems to to create that in us so i appreciate you sharing that lisa because i think there it is part of that it's something that's within us this desire to to uh, and because this person isn't in front of us when we i think we would speak probably in ways that are more respectful and kind and probably be spoken to in ways that are more respectful and kind if that person was in the room with us The only other thing I wanted to raise as well was the what we're maybe this is a more recent phenomenon. No, it's probably not a more recent phenomenon, but I think it's been highlighted by recent times is the ability of social media to spread particularly dangerous conspiracy theories. Oh yes, and I know this is something, Lisa, you're particularly interested in. But we know we are seeing this outside the sector, but I think we we see inklings of it in the sector as well. But even things around you know, these bizarre 5G conspiracy theories and anti-vaccination conspiracy theories. Social media seems to be a, you know, a very a super spreader, if you will, for these kind of, um, this kind of conspiracy theories. And I know, Lisa, you've seen a bit of this in the sector, haven't you? Yeah, I, I began to see it around um, uh, vaccination stuff. Um, when, like, um, some providers were talking about insisting that um, people have the influence of vaccination in line with, you know, initial recommendations. A lot of people were joining groups and making comments um, opposed to that that weren't educators and, in fact, weren't even Australians. And so I think that, you know, people get a message out to a group that they're on, you know, hey, this issue is being debated here, and then they join in that group solely for influencing the narrative around it. And that's that's really distressing. Like, that, that, that is, like, actual harm, I think, to people. That, that can, can... It feels like a lot of work. Like, that's, there's a lot of work associated <laughs> with doing something like that, isn't there? Look, there is, but nutters have got time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but but look, look, you know, we do that as well. We're guilty of that. that you know, we don't. Oh no, I do join groups and do things solely to get a message out about early childhood education. How is it any different, other than my yeah, views are perfect? Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. So I, I want to ask one more difficult question about this because I'm still turning this over in my head. And I've been reading a lot of books recently about trying to see different perspectives and um, those kind of things. Le- Leanne, you'll be glad to know I've got a Malcolm Gladwell book on Borrow from oh, the Library. It's on my shelf, so I'm going to be reading soon. Which one is that? Uh, it is 
I can't see it from here. I forgot what it's called. Is it The Good Neighbour or something like that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's yes. really interesting. Yep. Um, endless library. I, I should share my library list with you. There's some good books on there. Um, there's some Doctor Who, a lot, a lot of Doctor Who mixed in with the good books. But anyway. Um, I've got the pile of good books next to my bed. Oh, but you've got unfortunately, a um, my social media use gets in <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> reading the good books. <laughs> Getting in the way of the book. Well, add that to the negative. Um, I I wonder whether sorry I tried to articulate this before and I think it did it badly and I want to do it again. This is this is again a bit of a devil's advocate. There would be people out there who will go, Lisa Leanne and Liam, they're elitist people who have particular views in the sector. Social media gives voice to people who's you know who are ignored by academics and the people in senior leadership roles, and they have a particular elitist progressive view about things we don't agree with. And social media has given us the chance to have a voice and to promote the things we want to promote. How well, how do we respond to that? Because I that actually worries me a little bit. Because I do, I do wonder whether it. Well, I don't have another way of putting it. But is is there a question well, about who who, who gets to decide what like, what what practice? Yeah, now, we've got the NQF, uh, but yeah. The, yeah, I think that's a. It is. It's a great. We were um, a bit flippant about it before, and I actually want to drill yeah. down into it. So this idea that lots of people eat at McDonald's. So like. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is, yeah, I I don't disagree with. I actually agree entirely with everything we've said. But I but there would be people. Look, they're probably not listening to this podcast, but they'll be on these groups going, "Well, who are these people? And who do they get to decide what I think is good practice?" Well, yes, I and I guess when we're on this podcast, we get to decide because it's our podcast, right? So that's exactly. that's okay. Um, and I, I understand what you're saying, but I think really what social media does is just amplifies, as, as Lisa said, amplifies the message. So it's always there um, and it is, it's just a way of actually expressing some of those views that you're saying are maybe constrained um, under, under other circumstances. However, good practice is good practice, Liam, and there's evidence that informs our practice and that evidence is embedded within imperfect but but there quality measures and learning frameworks and so if there if people are using those fundamental um, frameworks and policies and philosophies within their center then that's there. If they want to amplify those messages via social media that are counter to those things, oh, I feel there is a, a good cause for um, actually showing some guidance there. Not piling on, but showing some guidance. So maybe that's not what you're saying, but that's kind of where what my thinking would be on that. And I'd also look at it, Liam, uh, on the flip side of that. I think that um, often what happens in social media is that like-minded people can congregate together and establish a narrative around a practice or something. So people, you know, social media gives the social justice in early education group the chance to come together. And those people may or may not have found each other outside of social media, but it's suddenly 
allows the people that have similar voices and similar thoughts about things to explore those topics together. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, I think it is. Although isn't one of the dangers of social media, um, what's that term? It's um, it's when you narrow your, when you're only talking to the people who agree with you. The echo chamber. Yeah, the yeah. echo chamber. That's another issue. I think this stuff's complex. I, like I said, I, I absolutely, Leanne, I actually like the way you put. It. I, I have a very strong idea in my head as what, of what is high quality practice, and I know I can align that against the national quality framework. And and look, and I also know I, I don't feel like a hypocrite saying this. I work directly with early childhood centres who are required to meet or exceed the national quality standard, and they all do meet, and most do exceed the national quality standard. So I'm prepared. Because you support them to do that. Uh, well, uh, no, because they're amazing and they have to put up with me. But um, but, yeah, uh, I, but, but I mean, there's yeah. a great but the organisation yeah. supports exactly. That's right. There's I'm, an enabling. Yeah. they're enabling conditions. I think what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is this isn't theoretical for me. So I'm not saying whatever I want and then wandering off and doing something else. I'm saying what I want and then tomorrow morning after a long night editing this podcast because I'm keeping us up late because I'm insisting on going down these rabbit warrens. I'm going back tomorrow to to help centres continue that journey. So I don't feel like a hypocrite in that sense, but I wonder, yeah, I don't, I don't know why this is this is troubling me so much, but I think the, the echo chamber is one question, but I think maybe it's also around what building on what you were saying, Leanne, is maybe, so I, I think my question is, why isn't high quality practice being shared? Why, aren't, why isn't high quality things getting 560 heart-shaped likes? And is the cycle, does the cycle have to be, because you're right, Leanne, the, the National Quality Framework is there. The National Quality Framework doesn't provide too much specific direction around specific experiences and practices, but you can read things into them. So is the so should the cycle be something that we think is bizarre and, and not high-quality practice posted on Facebook, is liked and shared, becomes something that's seen across multiple centres, but then outside of social media, reality kicks in and the assessment and rating process reveals these practices to not be high quality. And is that is that more important than what was happening on social media? Or are we seeing that these ideas are becoming embedded and, and potentially you know, impacting the quality of what's happening in centres? Yeah, I don't know. And it, it would be interesting to know what happens in other places where we consider that early childhood education is better um what Mm. actually happens on their social media yeah that would be fascinating to me because is it is it that we need to get more of a movement about you know where people actually subscribe to their philosophy that they have within the setting because we know centers that are exceeding and very high quality have philosophies that educators subscribe to within the the center so then you would never see the little setup of the you'd never see the setup of the um hairdressing or the beauty beauty center on mother's day because that wouldn't actually work within the philosophy and the values of the the inclusive values of the center so it wouldn't be shared on facebook or like what what happens in other countries where we think that there's a higher quality early childhood education and their social media. Sounds like a great research topic, Leanne. 
I think it's a study tour, guys. I think that's what it is. And I think that's, oh, but we can do it via social media, and we can go there. Look, one of the things um, very quickly that I saw happening during the pandemic is social media, and it, it kind of goes back to your thing, Liam, about does it allow the amplifying of voices that perhaps shouldn't be amplified. Um, very early in the pandemic there was a lot of i saw a lot of reaction about um uh you know about the funding and un- misunderstanding of what it was happened and we were very quickly able to pull together a video of disparate voices in the sector and distribute it via social media to kind of quell some of that fear now yeah. some people would say well what right did I have to do that because I, you know, I don't work in a centre. I don't, you know, like I have no position of a formal position of leadership in the sector, but I did it anyway. Simultaneously, though, um, that same kind of process enabled two people who I would say were became litmus um litmus that's not the right word like sticky fly paper for everyone who was discontented in the sector lightning rods yeah lightning rods yeah and um they achieved quite a bit of um uh yeah um influence influence during the sector and i didn't think during the pandemic and i didn't think that that was a good thing at all and simultaneously, someone who gives employment advice in the sector and does it via Facebook became almost, you know, the absolute guru about um, employment law. And it took a while for a lot of people to unpick that essentially he was always on the employer's side and maybe some of them still haven't worked that out. But each of these people got elevated because of social media and I wasn't necessarily sure if in some cases that was a good thing. Yes, well, that's – but it is the great sort of democracy, I suppose, isn't it, in a way, is that there is – there's there's no kind of arbitration that goes on there. Yeah. Well, maybe – Sorry. Sorry, Leanne, maybe that's the question. Maybe that's the – I just want to say this while it's occurred to me, but is – maybe that's the question. Is quality democratic? Maybe that's why there's a disconnect between social media and and these discussions because is quality to some extent not democratic? It is determined by the documents we have in the sector and the social media is insanely democratic. I've got one word about that, which is Donald Trump. That's two words. Just two words. That's two things, Lisa. I'm sorry, Leanne, (laughs) I interrupted you, but I I had to get that point out. There's something, um, and we probably don't necessarily want to go on to this this topic, but something that we we have missed is the um, influences, the recent rise of influences spruiking um, childcare centres. Oh, that's true. So I don't know whether you saw this recently. Yes. But there was a centre that wasn't even set up in Vaucluse and the um, an influencer, an Instagram influencer yes. was, was um, you know, influencing in this area. And I think this is very, this is very interesting because we haven't, not that I've seen, I mean, I'm not on Instagram or Facebook, obviously, but 
I don't know that we've seen the influences move into the early childhood space like this in the past, and now it's starting to happen. Now, this is because we've got a market, right? So we, we have to have an influencer in the market. But maybe wonder... we could become influencers. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I think that this is a, a fascinating kind of little move that's happening on social media because it's when I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, well, of course it's going to happen because there's a whole generation of influencers who are having children. And they're not just, um, you know, creating them for their creating those children for their blogs. They've got other things they can influence as well. <laughs> so I just think this is a very interesting change. Well, maybe this is the rise of influences in, in um, you know, putting early childhood centres in the spotlight. This could be our big opportunity, right, for early childhood to have a bigger platform. A bigger reach. Is and, that a platform and, we want? And, and look, the other thing that we, I'm sure we've spoken about before is the impact of social media on what families expect from their childcare centre. Sorry, did I just say childcare centre? From yeah, their early I... education and care centre. Yes. In, you know, in that they want those cutesy photos <sighs> uploaded I've seen. I've taken us on such a rabbit warren. I think we might need to do a part two of this episode yeah. as yeah, well. Yeah. I, I think it would be really good because I I agree. I think that this is um, this is quite an interesting area. Is it's got lots of different parts. It's actually about what's within the sector and then what is outside of the sector. And Lisa's saying, well, is this a good thing that those influencers that influences are there? But honestly, I'm getting to the point. I'm so desperate to have great early childhood education. I'll take anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that's perfectly. And I think what we might say is on this episode, we've sort of covered the internal dynamics of the sector in terms of social media, I think we may need to come back and do a look at the external dynamics. So how does social media oh, affect? Look, we do because you know what? Some people still don't even use it accurately. I had to contact this bloke the other day and say, you've posted so many photos of your children and I can zoom in and see what school they go to <laughs> from the, the, the logos on their clothes and that isn't a good thing by any means. Yeah. I can spot my favourite child and go and... Yeah. Okay. Well, Lisa, let's not let's not judge people. Given that the first six minutes of this podcast were spent with all of us trying to work our phones and access <laughs> one particular app, so you know, let's not be too judgmental. But, and there's one other. There's another component, and it gets into that favourite topic of um, Liam's, which is the apps and how those mm. share. You know, people are using social media to share stories for families, and some of that is is public. And what do, what yeah. does that mean? Is that We're, marketing or oh, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to need a part two. But let's. And also, what happens in small communities when everyone is on the same social media site, and and you know, like you're an educator at the service, and you're friends with all the parents yeah. on the service. Oh, well, it's so complex. But let's let's wrap up part one of this because Lisa yeah. posted some really a couple of fascinating questions that I want to maybe do quickly because I think these are great ways to think about um, social media so what is so for the people listening to this and maybe we include ourselves in this as well but what could people do right now to make social media a better place for educators teachers um, families and those talking about 
education and care? What what are some changes that, you know people could make to improve that? Um, and given you've asked the difficult question, Lisa, I might ask you to go first. Okay, I'd uh, I'd have two things. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is don't shame people. Remember how horrible shaming feels as an individual and try and not do it to other people. And I, I'm not saying, like, if someone's listening to this and I've shamed you on social media, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I, ac- I, I accept your apology, Lisa. Do it, but, I accept your apology. Oh, you're different, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing I do is try and amplify voices wherever you can of people that have good things to say but may not have the same social media reach that you do. I think they're great. Yeah. What about you, Leanne? Um, Well, I probably would have said what Lisa said um, in that first instance, but so I might sort of build on that is to say when you see that, see those things in social media think of every conversation as a coaching conversation and what it would be like in in real life if you were having that conversation with someone to guide them in practice and uh, if you're trying to think of how you should um, put that what tone you should use or how you should approach that think of the early years learning framework and all of the wonderful principles and practices within that and use that as your guide for being good to people. Yep. That's lovely, Leanne. I completely agree. Um, I'll build on everything you've all said. I think you're entirely right. Mine's, I think, look pretty, I don't know, it's a bit cliche or something. I think mine's just don't be mean to, to anyone. Look, I think, <laughs> and I, I think with this, I, I particularly mean, this is where I think Twitter is bad. I guess choose kind. That shouldn't be that hard. But Particularly with with politicians, we disagree with. I get really disheartened. I, I you know, am a left wing radical from from way back. But when you know Scott Morrison, I, I disagree with you know almost everything Scott Morrison has ever done. But you know, he will post something relatively innocuous, and just the the outpouring of hate from supposedly left wing yeah. progressive people. And I see this as well. People in the sector, you know, using you know, clever punning hashtags like scum mo and that kind of stuff. And I just go, that it's just appalling. I have, I, oh, if, but Scotty from marketing Scotty, is fun. Well, well, Scotty from marketing is fun, I guess. But I just, that, that kind of stuff infuriates me. I can't stand it when I see people in the sector do it. These people are real people. We can disagree with them. But all that does is encourage them to not engage with people. And, and, and it's just, it's just mean. Like at the end of the day, it's just, uh, you know, you I mean, know, I, I pretty regularly at Dan T and into something, but I, I, I would. Yeah, you, know, you ch- don't have to be no, nasty. To I would him. challenge anyone to go and find where I've been personally rude to him. I disagree with policy, and they can, but that that should be a minimum standard. I think it's just talk respectfully to people. And and while we're at it, can we please stop ever commenting about what's his face owning childcare oh, centres? Stop it, Dutton. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. And then, and then we're going to finish on a positive. So, for each of us, um, I like this question, Lisa. Who is the favourite person each of us have found on social media? Um, you've put outside of each other, which does make it difficult because I think um, they are the key people. But I think what we should—the original, I think, mission statement for social media was connecting people, and I think we have had some success in that area. So, um, Leanne, Lisa, and I are off the table, unfortunately. Obviously, 
the most important oh, people you found on social media. That's what but, I was going to say. Oh, so who, who would you think of? Who's and? Uh, look, I think of groups probably more than individuals because I'm I'm not sort of focused enough on I'm I'm not I'm not. Fo- when I say I'm not focused enough, I'm just not focused, right? So what I, um, but, you know, of course, I, I'm going to say a non-early childhood person, Sarah Cooper, has captivated me. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And in a dark, dark world, I've been, I've enjoyed that. But the other kind of groups that I really like are the, um, I, I think the early years people in the UK are interesting people and they often have quite robust conversations with each other, which I like and it feels Maybe because it's not, you know, I don't know who those people are, but I just kind of like, I like the way they interact. Um, and then the uh, all of the research, like academic chatter and PhD thingies and all that sort of thing, because I think um, people on those are very desperate, like myself. And so it's, you know, like it's a, an agony and pain, those groups. So they're the groups probably on Twitter that I am attracted to <laughs> thanks leah what about you lisa okay so minor people um the first one of course would have to be carl who yes, i can't ditto. remember his last name at the oh lisa <laughs> hessian what is it? <laughs> hey, carl hessian that's right <laughs> who's kind of like um the the fourth silent member of this podcast but who we discovered through social media when he kindly started to explain corporate law to me and corporate doings on one Saturday morning um but I also particularly like Jane Caro because she um consistently spreads the message about early education even though it's public education that is her primary thing she will always a few times a day she'll retweet messages from me about early education and I think that's um, very good and the third person is someone completely out of left field but she is the funniest person on Twitter and if you'd told me that 20 years ago that I'd be listening to Monica Lewinsky talk on a regular <laughs> basis, I would have laughed. But, gee, she's funny. She <laughs> is really clever, yeah. Well, Lisa only hangs out with famous people on Twitter now, <laughs> I've noticed. So, yes, Jane Caro. Well, yep. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And look, the trouble is, I I can't list one. And ditto to Carl. He's like the fifth Beatle of the podcast. He's the fourth <laughs> member of the podcast. But um, there's the trouble is with listing specific people, as I know I'm going to miss someone specific who's really obvious. So apologies in advance to that person. But um, you know, I've I, a lot of the engagement I have with people in the sector is actually online. The ACT is quite small, so I think you know, there's 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 a bunch of the same people who are forced to put up with my rants at different periods in time, but. Um, I think about people like Tamika Hicks, based in Victoria, who I've known on social media yeah. for a really long period of time, who's appeared on the show. Um, Sarah Louise, who was finally on the show last week, who's been a great fan of the podcast, who, who you know, likes and comments and retweets a whole bunch of, um, you know, a whole bunch of our stuff there. I'm, I'm, we're really uh, grateful for. Um, you know, Tina Holtham from from WA. I think what we tend to do is we, we we know these people on social media and then eventually invite them on the show. Um, Doreen Blythe also been on on the show. Um, again, I'm I'm really regretting I've started listing individuals now because there's yeah, people because I'm not going to put on. Yeah, people like Bridgie, Bridgie, and yeah, Emily, Bridgie, Emily, and, all these people. Um, Melinda. Yes. Yeah. All these people. Melinda said something nice today. Um, 
but yeah, there's a whole bunch of people that are, that just regularly engage and interact with me on social media that I'm eternally grateful for, and I think they're also they're the best of the sector. Um, you know, in terms of you know people like Emma Rattenbury, who is people that I've, I've I may never meet in person. Yeah, um, and Deanne Carson and. Red Ruby Scarlet. And... You know, you're going to leave someone out. Yeah, I know, it's too late. You know what I'm doing now? I'm literally scrolling through my mentions on That's Twitter. So yeah, just to go, oh, God, who, who's been really nice to me who I'm not going to miss? But um, you, you you all know who you are in terms of Georgie people. Georgie Jens. Um, no, she's your friend, Lisa. She's um, too good to talk to me. But, yeah, um, but only through Twitter. Yeah, if it wasn't for Twitter, I wouldn't know her. Yeah, but anyway, but I think those I, I really value those. And they, 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 I think, are what keep me on social media. These people I wouldn't otherwise be able to talk to and share share knowledge and things with. So that is, I think, a hugely positive part of the social media experience, particularly in early childhood, where it's so easily to be isolated and divided. That that is the best usage of social media. I think is um, sharing sarcastic, funny things with people on with smart, funny people on Twitter. I can't put it any better than that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a lovely way to put it, Liam. And given that the, the three of us and Carl spend a large part of our day sharing funny, sarcastic things on Twitter in a private message thread, um, I think we we do actually need to say each other because you guys keep me sane. That's true. That's a very witty little feed, isn't it? It is. I was going to say that's a that's a that's a lot to put on our shoulders, Lisa, keeping you sane. But we'll we'll, we'll continue to do our best. But um, thank you both for that discussion. I think I suspect we we both scratched the surface and went down some rabbit warrens. We weren't we weren't we weren't planning on going, which I think is largely my fault. But we are definitely. I think the show tonight is a bit like social media itself. It's it's kind of chaotic. <laughs> and, and you know, if we there are some good ideas, <laughs> there, there are some some paths we what should look at. Bad ones. I don't think there was I'm not anything. sure that our podcast practice is okay. Quality. Hang on, we're now in the comments thread of our own podcast, so let's 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 divert this before we go too far. So. Thank you, thank you both. We will be back with a part two on this because I think there's more to talk about, and we probably won't leave it another 135 episodes. Right, we'll try and come back before then. You have been listening to the Early Education Show. You can find show notes and links for this episode and all our other episodes at earlyeducationshow.com. The show is hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Liam McNicholas and produced by Liam McNicholas. The music is by Jazar at betterwithmusic.com. Please subscribe, rate and review the show in the Apple Podcast Store. It really helps others find the show. Get in touch with us at Early Edu Show on Facebook and Twitter or send us an email at earlyedushow at gmail.com. See you next time.